Hey, this is Ben. And Adam. And uh, we just wanted to say welcome. Uh, we uh, really never planned on any human beings listening to this show. Uh, we mainly intended it as an a, you know, archival record of what dorks we were for some future space civilization to uncover. But I guess uh, it's gotten out on iTunes and there's been an article now. And man, it just seems like a lot of uh, new people are finding the show. And personally, that's very humiliating for me <laughs> and, and maybe even Ben. But it's also really cool because I think it, uh, it tells us that there are a lot of people out there like us uh, who are interested in, in following the show again, picking it up. Where, uh, where maybe they hadn't seen it since they were a kid, and sort of laughing with and at its many attempts uh, to entertain us. Yeah, so we just really want to say we appreciate all the really kind things people have said, especially in iTunes reviews, from a nice-thing-to-say standpoint, from a publicizing-the-show standpoint, obviously it presents a problem because more people <laughs> will find out about this shameful thing we are doing. <laughs> Uh, the more iTunes reviews we get. So if uh, if you're just tuning in now, um, you know, we're doing the next generation in order from season one through season seven. So, uh, you know, it's a show that's easy to jump around on. But if you want to start from be the beginning, just go back to episode one. I would say that episode two is probably unmissable just because it establishes what Drunk Shimoda is as a element of our sh our series that uh, anybody who's listening is going to want to know uh, what we're talking about. Um, and actually, as a bonus, at the end of this episode, uh, we're going to drop in a pretty amazing uh, rendition of the song Drunk Shimoda that we only imagined in that episode uh, that a listener sent in. Yeah, that I think was, was one of the best bits of fun from a really crazy week. It's been pretty wild to see this little show take off. Um, certainly unexpected and and really cool. Yeah, pretty incredible. So uh, we just want to say thanks to everybody who's listening and also to Kyle uh, or Nosehair515 on YouTube who sent in the, <laughs> uh, the song. <laughs> That, we, that we're going to tag on to the end of this episode. Uh, thanks, and let's get the show started. Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. This is The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica, and if you want to listen to a podcast about Star Trek The Next Generation where the hosts aren't embarrassed, there are about a million of those out there. There's so many. They can, like... There's, like, if, a whole website of, like, <laughs> 50 Star Trek podcasts. And they, I'm sure, are so sincere about their their love of the show. They're taking it very seriously. I'm yeah. sure they have a ton of listeners, unlike us. I mean, those are just, th <laughs> those are just three major differences between this podcast and the others. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say I think ours is a little bit more fun because our our ironic distance enables us to kind of, uh, you know, have fun at our own end of the show's expense. Absolutely, yeah. And look, when you take something really seriously, it's less fun. And I think uh, 
great bit of evidence for that is the first seven episodes of this series. <laughs> yeah. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. Not entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. All right, this episode is The Battle, episode eight. It's a title that promises something, Ben. <laughs> yeah. It's an overpromise, I would say. Yeah. This is uh, their next interaction with the Ferengi, the second of two so far. And um, the Enterprise is, I guess it starts in their sort of like in orbit of some planet with a Ferengi ship and the Ferengi are not really uh, answering hails. It's been like three days and they are just uh, saying stand by. Picard is getting some headaches and sort of wondering what's up. And then Wesley runs onto the bridge and announces that there's something approaching uh, from long range. And uh, he was able to detect it because he was goofing around and engineering with the long range sensors. I love uh, sort of like Jordy running to the front of the ship to get a look at the station from yeah. an episode ago. Like the, the most efficient way to communicate for Wesley at this point is to uh, walk to a turbo lift, get on that turbo lift, go to the bridge. Well, Wesley definitely has a motive. He's, I mean, and Picard scolds him for this. He, yeah, he calls he him said, out. Yeah, he's like, you're just trying to get get up here so that you can be in the mix when the Ferengi shit starts popping off, and <laughs> that is not an appropriate way to act. So, yeah, yeah, well done. Um, this is also the debut of the first like uniform esque costume for Wesley, which is not really a uniform, but. Yeah, rest in peace, orange Coogee sweater. Yeah. Uh, we're really sorry to see you go. Yeah. I mean, it, it like, this is a pretty boring uniform, and the next one is even more boring. You don't see any other person on the ship wear this uniform, though, right? It's sort of like a weird scarlet letter. It's like he made it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this uh, vessel that's approaching, turns out, is a Constellation class starship, and... Uh, the Ferengi beam over to the bridge of the Enterprise, and the daemon who goes by the name Bach announces that uh, the ship that's coming in is a gift for Captain Picard. Um, and I guess he, he calls him the hero of Maxia, and Picard doesn't really know what he's talking about. Uh, and Data, with his prodigious memory, uh, recalls that Picard uh, destroyed a unknown vessel in the Maxia system nine years ago when he was commanding the Stargazer. And uh, he defeated it with a brilliant maneuver that is taught at the Academy now called the Picard Maneuver, uh, where you you go to warp right uh, before, I guess, wait, you shoot and then you go to warp and the enemy fires at your ship right uh, where you were coming from? <laughs> I think your your struggle in describing the Picard maneuver is is pretty standard for anyone watching this episode. Yeah, I don't think we're meant to truly understand what it is. Yeah, uh, until it's, it's, until until they sort of show what it is later on. I mean, I sort of thought the Picard maneuver was something that he did to Wesley. <laughs> yeah, that sort of begs the question: What would the Riker maneuver be? Well, the one thing I know is it probes deep space. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not something they teach at the academy. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> stupid <laughs> fucking 
Ferengi guy uh, <laughs> is pretty pissed off at Picard because the uh, ship that he destroyed was in fact a Ferengi ship and was uh, commanded by his son. So Damon Bach's son had just gotten his command and uh, and I guess decided to set off into space and open fire on a on a Federation vessel without any provocation. Like, this is sort of a Rashomon-esque uh, episode. Like, you get you get two sides of the same story. I, I think that's giving it a lot of credit that it doesn't necessarily deserve. I'm really trying, Ben. I'm really trying to give some credit here. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, the ship that is showing up is, in fact, the Stargazer, which is a real mindfuck for Picard because they had to abandon it after this Maxia fight, which you would think, like, he would remember Maxia more clearly if it was where he had to abandon the last ship he was in command of. Well, when he tells the story to his own bridge crew after the conversation with the Ferengi, he's like, yeah, uh, the battle was crazy and shit was blowing up everywhere. And we ended up uh, bailing out into some shuttlecrafts and we were in those shuttlecrafts for like weeks. And, yeah. then, there's, and then there's a pause and he's like, I, uh, I hardly think of it anymore. Which <laughs> I mean, it's like the most traumatic thing a captain yeah, could go through for being like less than ten years ago. <laughs> it would be the only thing on my mind all the time if that had happened to anyone else. Dude is cool as a cucumber, you know. He he had to abandon ship, but that was uh, that was what the situation called for. He doesn't question himself. He's not neurotic at all. Also, like they do a scan of the stargazer, and it's like, yeah, it's just like superficial fire damage, but uh, all the all the primary systems are fully functional, which begs the question: like, why are they bailing out of the ship? Right? Does it does it smell real bad, like fire damage, like a like a house fire? Maybe they just didn't want to <laughs> have their clothes all smelly. Yeah. Uh, well, the the exterior of the ship definitely has zero noticeable damage. Um, I guess I was sort of wondering, did did the Ferengi, like, fix it up? Or, you know, when they salvaged it, did they, like, did they like patch, patch it back together a little bit? Because it's the only thing that could really explain that part. We know the future economy, like, doesn't care about, you know, the value of things. Right. But, The man, Ferengi do, though. There's an, there's an entire ship out there that they just cut loose, and they don't even care about finding again. <laughs> That's I think a, that's weird. A lot of a lot of duranium and tritanium, you know. Oh, and also, like, I guess we wouldn't want that entire starship to fall into enemy hands at any point, right? Like, that, like, that piece of fucking military yeah, material that that uh, that any other uh, alien race could could reverse engineer into something right. that could be used against them at some point. It's still fully armed. It has all but six of its torpedoes on board. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good job, guys. <laughs> a lot about this backstory is uh, hard to swallow. Um, it sounds like it's hard to swallow. Sorry. I had a huge uh, huge mouthful of peanut butter uh, when we started recording. So That is not how I prepare for this show. It is a guiding principle of a soft beating face. If you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth, you don't deserve to wear that so anyways they beam aboard the stargazer and uh picard goes and checks out his his old cabin and he's got a lot of like books and kind of sentimental items in there 
He doesn't notice the giant, like, glowing basketball that's in <laughs> uh, one of the trunks that's in there. Do you Plus, remember when you were a kid, uh, the pogo ball? The ball with the ring around it, and you, yeah. and you stand on the ring and you jump around? That's what this prop looks like. Yeah. It looks like something that maybe they were like thinking about making be an alien spaceship, but didn't didn't really come out good enough. Yeah. Um. So, so they uh, went with making it a a set prop instead. Um. So, uh, we we'll come to kind of find that this this sphere is one of two, and Bach is operating the other one on his ship, and uh, this is the thing that is behind Picard's headaches. Um, and they're kind of getting worse and worse as the episode goes on, and the doctor can't make heads or tails of it. We see we see Damon Bach operating it in his in his quarters, I guess, aboard the Ferengi ship, which is the first time we've seen the Ferengi have anything but blank whiteness inside sure. their ship. These scenes are so funny. It's just Bach like sitting by himself in this creepy room with this creepy device, like cackling like a madman yeah it's total like peak bad guy maneuvering yeah. like and we get five of these scenes of, of just cutting to Bach him like looking toward the sky and and howling with laughter at the pain he's causing Picard <laughs> so anyways they they pack up all this shit on the stargazer for Picard and send it to his room and that somehow includes this this device like nobody notices that it's among his personal effects and uh they're able to scan the entire ship and know how many torpedoes are in it and whatnot but uh their sensors can't penetrate the pelican case that <laughs> that contains uh this this mind-altering device like where you go guys uh, um, i guess that's why they stick Jordy out front to take a look at other ships too like yeah just some clear holes in their sensor abilities yeah. i'm glad to see uh the pelican cases have a future in uh in a in a cashless economy. Yeah. That company's like 800 years old at that point, right? <laughs> I believe it. Uh, that's industry standard stuff right there yeah. uh, for any production. It's a good way to keep your equipment dry and safe. Yeah. Um, uh, this episode brought to you by Pelican. <laughs> a lot of this episode is also confusing because the, the Ferengi kind of offer this starship up as a gift, and then they're just kind of hanging around, and it's not really clear why... Like, obviously, like, the real reason that they're still there and the real reason that they gave them back the Stargazer is so that this daemon can exact his revenge on Picard. But they don't, like, ever sort of offer a pretense for why they're hanging around. Yeah. Uh, and, and so they're just there. And, like, Wesley picks up low-level signals coming from the Ferengi vessel that they wind up tracing to this orb. And... By this point, uh, Picard has beamed himself over to the Stargazer and is in sort of a fugue state, uh, imagining that he's back in the Battle of Maxia, uh, you know, commanding his ghost ship to uh, and all of his his ghost crew to uh, to attack the Enterprise that he is under the mistaken impression is this unknown vessel. They finally kind of put it all together that this mind control orb has been has been at the center of it all and uh Riker gets on the view screen with Picard and like begs him to look around the bridge that he's on and shoot the other control orb with a, a phaser it blows up real big 
they bail to a stunt guy and he's clearly like jumping onto a mattress. There's a ton of shit happening in that scene. That's good. Oh yeah, it's a it's a good explosion. Like almost almost delivers on the the promise of of the episode right there. Like it it's definitely like a good effect. In this scene also uh Picard is like doing a Picard maneuver on uh to the Enterprise. So they have to like figure out a way to counter countermand the the danger that that would put them in. Uh and there's a very funny scene where Riker's like, "Data, what what's the defense against the Picard maneuver?" and He's like, there is none. And he says, well, figure one out. And he just like sits there for a few seconds. <laughs> Wesley's like, keeping your clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let him touch your bathing suit area. Do not let him near your drink. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I thought that was the Cosby maneuver. <laughs> zappa, zappa. <laughs> it the phasers in the torpedoes. You go to warp and then you shoot the torpedoes. You got to <laughs> let the man shoot the torpedoes, Rudy. <laughs> Theo. <laughs> My love is a Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books. They send in paintings they send in uh, crochet work it's so cool and uh i want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters i want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves and you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use squarespace it'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. 
The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Okay, uh, we're back. We had to cut out about 15 <laughs> more minutes of us doing uh, Cosby Picard. <laughs> Cosby Picard. That's... <laughs> It's funny that th- that came out in the first post Cosby sweater episode. Oh yeah, wow. Uh, anyways, <laughs> fun to talk about a serial rapist. Oh jeez. Oh boy, yeah, that's fun. Anyways, the <laughs> Enterprise catches the stargazer in its tractor beam. Picard phasers his mind control device, and they get on the view screen with Kazago, the the first officer of the Ferengi ship, and he reveals that uh, Bach has been uh, taken uh, out of his command because he pursued an unprofitable venture. <laughs> and uh, I guess the... Uh, you know, the, I mean, the Ferengi have been complaining the entire time that Bach gave them the ship for free with no profit involved and and all that. So uh, I guess they, when they realize that it's all just been vengeance and not an actual business venture, yeah. they're uh, they're pretty rip shit with with the captain, and they remove him from his his command. There's kind of a cool like uh, number one to number one kind of respect knuckles yeah moment totally. there. Like, I think this is a good episode for Riker, just in general. Yeah, the captain is getting put under the influence of an alien fairly frequently at this point in his early career as the second-in-command of the Enterprise, and uh, I guess he's kind of an old hand at it at this point. He's like, yeah, don't worry, like, the captain is under an alien mind-controlled device's influence. We will figure this shit out. We will will soldier through. The rest of the crew also is really used to just letting that happen and not really doing anything about it, not relieving <laughs> yeah. him of command or uh, or or submitting him to any sort of examination other than just the most cursory exam. Yeah, the doctor is definitely like not really taking seriously the the headache thing at the beginning. Like she definitely she's like barely aware that headaches are even an illness. Yeah, when he when he first brings them up, and then uh, like he seems to be like used to getting a headache. He's not like, what what is going on? My head it hurts. It's like a ancient illness, like a headache. You know, it's like he's like I have a headache, and she's like, oh what? <laughs> it's as if he goes to sick bay covered in leeches. Like like she, she just can't even process the idea. 
Yeah, so that's a little weird. Like, there's a scene where she gives him, like, four or five different medical treatments for these headaches and then eventually puts him to sleep with some computer chips stuck to his forehead. <laughs> and it's like, like, nobody is really taking seriously the fact that he has these persistent headaches that they can't account for and is also acting super weird. He's talking to the Ferengi through the viewer, and he's, like, pausing in between sentences and, like, doubling over in pain. No one thinks to uh, to maybe relieve him of <laughs> command at that point. You know, a fully healthy Riker is just looking at him like, what the fuck? I could do this. Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe Riker is selfish, selfishly letting him fall under the influence of the mind control sphere. Oh, yeah, you know, we can't rule that out. He's had his eye on that chair for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> like eight episodes at this point. <laughs> Did you get some real, like, Wrath of Khan vibes from this story? Because to me, it felt like a reheated uh, Wrath of Khan storyline. There's like, definitely a lot of Wrath of Khan in it. And in fact, the Stargazer kind of looks like the um, the ship that they go up against in uh, the Wrath of Khan. I can't remember what the what the ship is called. Oh, you're, you're talking about the Reliant, aren't the you? The Reliant, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, that's, uh, that's a nice little moment of shame for me, just having, <laughs> having that one at the ready. Yeah. I should have I known that because I just rewatched uh, Wrath of Khan. The director's cut is out. So you probably remember then, like, they sort of fall into the same trap as, as that crew does. Like, here comes a ship they don't recognize... Uh, it's not responding to any hails. Yeah. They, they don't put up their shields at any point like they should. Like, maybe doing that would have stopped the, the signal from getting into Picard's head. Like, yeah. beat there's for a, beat, they just sort of let this happen. There's a lot of... I mean, like, I think that one of the problems with S- Star Trek's technobabble uh, usage is that you, you start to establish some rules with the with the technobabble, and then it, like they can be conveniently broken whenever the script calls for it. Like Damon Bach definitely beams off of the stargazer when its shields are up, which is mm-hmm. not supposed to be allowed. Yeah. Uh, and so, so yeah, you have to question like, would the shields shield this or not? Because it's just, you know, the, <laughs> the way the storyline, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work with the storyline if, uh, if they did block it. Tomok Angelad Tanaga. There were a couple of new things that happened in this episode, too. This this one felt, to me, very different from the eight that came before. Like, yeah, for sure. Like, in terms of, like, polish, mm-hmm. it seemed like they really upped the game a lot in terms of production uh, production polish. But one thing I felt like was a, was a big misstep was the musical score, which seemed like it was drawing heavily from, like, Hagar-era Van Halen. Like, <laughs> it was super synth-heavy. Did you, did you get yeah. a hit of that? There's been a couple of of synthy music cues in the uh, in the series so far that uh, that have I've noticed a lot of uh, a lot of saw waves being employed. Right. Um, <laughs> I think this is one of the first instances too of a uh, pre-commercial Riker eye twitch, where he sort of turns away from who he's talking to, looks uh, past the camera, and then just sort of like twitches one eye before going to commercial. <laughs> Yeah. And that's something that this show goes to like a thousand times. Yeah, th- I, you know, the way the way you broke to commercial in the 80s 
is <laughs> it will never stop amusing me because yeah, it's great. <laughs> like they always like play some suspenseful music and then it just like fades to black and then it fades right back up because I'm watching it on Amazon Prime. <laughs> I want to start doing that in real life where I'll have a conversation and then the conversation will come to a natural conclusion and I'll just look <laughs> past the person I'm talking to and twitch an eye. Dun dun dun. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work in real life. Hey Ben. What's that, Adam? Who's your drunk Shimoda? Shimoda. My drug motor for this episode is definitely Picard. I mean, you feel for the guy, he's suffering from these headaches, but, like, you fucking had your mind taken over before. <laughs> like, recognize some of the signs, man. Yeah, and, like, feel free at any point to take some responsibility and maybe relieve yourself of command. Instead right. of just hanging on. Yeah. God, it's really frustrating. Look, like, the flip side to that is, like, this is the least assholey Picard has been, and in a weird way, like, it might be my own personal history with migraine headaches, but I actually <laughs> feel some sympathy for him as a yeah. character in this episode in a way I've never felt it in the episodes that came before. Like, he's a pretty big asshole up until this one, and for some reason I'm back on his side as a sympathetic character, and maybe it's the headaches, maybe it's something else, but... I don't know. Like, I felt for the guy. Yeah. I mean, you definitely don't like seeing him go through that. I have a runner-up, Drunk Shimoda. Oh. Just because there was a line that really made me laugh with Wesley. <laughs> uh, he he kind of barges in on the counselor and the doctor uh, discussing Picard's headaches, and he explains that he's discovered these low-level transmissions coming from the Ferengi ship, and that must be what, what's causing them, and... They run out to, like, go deal with the situation. And uh, after they leave, he goes, You're welcome, ladies. <laughs> and then he just, like, leans up against the wall and shakes his head and goes, Adults. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, such a ridiculous moment. Why did they leave it in? Yeah. I mean, they had the chance to cut that part out before putting it on Netflix. And yeah. I think I would have done everything possible to do that. They upgraded that scene to HD. Because that's what we deserve. <laughs> uh, my drunk Shimoda is, I feel like I've done this before. Once again, it's Beverly Crusher, uh, <laughs> who I think says verbatim that she's the only one on the ship who can relieve Captain Picard of command yeah. uh, and chooses not to do so uh, at the expense of everyone, like everyone's yeah. safety. So. Great job, Beverly. I think you know, you might be up for a pretty big demotion, like maybe for an entire season coming <laughs> mm, up. I don't mm. know. Like, Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, some of these actions are, are, are pretty terrible and I think worthy of punishment. So uh, that's where I'm at. That's who I vote for. Beverly. Beverly. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. Uh, so our next episode is episode nine, Hide and Q. The Enterprise is once again challenged by the dangerous and powerful Q, who offers Riker godlike powers in exchange for Riker's membership in the Q Continuum. Man, if you're going to offer anyone the Q powers on that ship, <laughs> isn't Riker the most dangerous person to do that for? Easily. Easily. I'm on the record as not being a big fan of Q as a character. I really like John Delancey. Yeah, me too. The guy that plays him. But I just never like Q episodes. So uh, this would this would be a time when I'd be tempted to to uh, invoke a veto on on even watching this. But um, oh, 
Wow. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I I sort of, as a rule, want to watch Riker-centric episodes. I think they afford us a great opportunity for humor. Yeah. And, and so uh, I do actually want to see this episode. An episode that describes the Riker character as so paint-by-numbers, the color is practically dripping off the screen. <laughs> and if you're talking about oh. Riker, uh, there's a lot of dripping going on, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure the first thing he does with his newfound powers is give himself a wiffle ball bat in the pants. You know, like, if you have access to the holodeck, are the Q powers a little bit disappointing? <laughs> I guess we'll find out. All right, I think that's uh, about all we have for this episode of The Greatest Generation. Uh, yeah. I've I've been one of your hosts, Adam Pranica. I've been your other host, Ben Harrison. If you want to, you can chat us up on the Twitters using the hashtag GreatestGen. Yeah, don't confuse our use of the hashtag GreatestGen with all of the people mourning the death of their grandfather who fought in World War II. Yeah, we've got to share that hashtag with some people. We're the assholes using that to talk about Star Trek. (laughs) Yeah, so be nice to those people, all right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe share one of our our priceless GreatestGen gifts with them. Uh, See if it'll brighten their day yeah that'll really uh, help their morning process i'm sure sorry yeah on that note our condolences and we're sorry Drunk Shimoda. Drunk Shimoda. Drunk Shimoda.